0: welcome in to another episode of turning the corner A Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Karen Steckley. With me as always is a man who turned down an invitation to the Met Gala to cover your Detroit Tigers. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing?
1: Oh man, that would have that would be a massive mistake. I think I would definitely go to the Met Gala. I uh, didn't actually get that invite. Uh, it's not too late, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, doing all right. Well,
0: ironically, the Mets come into town uh, when the Met Gala is going on. So, you know, maybe you could have gone if it were the other way other way around. Uh, I, I think I got some interesting topics today, Cody, but I wanted to start out with the more topical news of the weekend, which is we got Tarek Skubal – Throwing 15 pitches from the mound. Was that delayed a day by the rain? Did that? It was. Okay, so it was the ever more anticipated uh, throwing from the mound for Tarek Skubal, who, you know, was the best update that we had uh, gotten on those uh, progress reports from the Tigers medically. You know, he's like four days a week, five days a week, six days, you know, and and now we get a, a little bit of a mound thing. I know I heard on the radio and, People talking about A. J. Hinch about and, and Tarek about like, you know, how's he how's he feeling or the anticipation of that? But uh from your perspective, Cody, how big a deal is this? Does do we have any can we dream of Tarek School this year? Can we dream of it? Not to say it's realistic. Can we dream of it? And how what did he kinda say afterwards? I believe he talked to the media.
1: Well, Scoogle, yeah. I think Scoobol's always been targeted to return at some point mid-summer. Um, there's no real firm date, you know. That could be June or that could be late August. But uh, the fact he threw in a bullpen would seem to indicate things are going on a good trajectory. I don't think it's a huge deal. He threw 15 fastballs in a bullpen. There's not really that much to say about it. He said he felt felt good, he said he was a little nervous to get back on the mound, you know, someone asked him, like, is this like riding a bike, and he's like, ah, I, I don't know, it's almost like you fall off and scrape your elbow, or you need some training wheels, not necessarily in terms of, like, his performance, I think it just felt odd for him to be back on a mound for the first time in so long Uh, Very top-secret information as to what the plan is from here. Scooble said he was not allowed to answer that, and AJ did not give any firm details. I don't really know why that's such a big deal. I imagine he will continue to throw bullpens with a few days in between. Um, You know, Tigers have not given a target date for his return. I think they're being careful there. Look at what Matthew Boyd did last year when he was with the Giants. He was ramping up, throwing bullpens, ultimately had a setback and was shut down. So there's still a lot to see as the throwing program, as the bullpens intensify. Uh, But it sounds like Scruble recovered well from bullpen number one. So that is a positive, just maybe something to look forward to later in the summer.
0: So, you know, Scruble and Mai specifically, what's kind of their presence around the team in the clubhouse or whatever because uh they're not short on camera time on the ballet sports broadcast uh they seem to get uh, a decent amount of uh of shots in the dugout there and those are two guys that had kind of been your de facto leaders to be and you know last season is kind of how we were looking at them and and now obviously they're not out there they're not they're not pitching but kind of how are they? How have they been? And we saw them opening day catch, you know, the uh, home opener. Excuse me, catch uh, the ceremonial first pitches. But just generally speaking, their presence around, like you know, they seem upbeat. I know you're not like talking regularly or whatever, but uh, just observationally, what kind of can you share with us?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have a story about this Tuesday that'll hopefully go a little more in depth. I think it's a good idea that the Tigers are having them around rather than sending them to Lakeland like most injured players. It is kind of odd to think that, man, these are two of your guys. Like, these are two of your big horses. Sometimes you step back and think, like, all right, it's been, like, five years. Why aren't the Tigers better? While well, two of their main dudes are just kind of lingering around in the shadows. You know, I think it's good for them to be around the team, but it probably feels weird for Mize and Scoople, too. I think Casey especially, he's uh, – getting a lot of work in, going through his rehab, but he has kind of a stern look on his face a lot. He hasn't wanted to talk a lot. You know, I don't think he wants to talk until he feels like a player again. At the same time, it's cool to see, you know, Scooble and Jake Rogers are in there playing ping pong Sunday morning. You know, there's still just that camaraderie aspect, and I think Scooble and Mize are... Are kind of winning type personalities that you do want around, and you know they're getting to go through their rehab together. I'm sure that has uh, some of its pluses as well.
0: You know, nothing against the great city of Lakeland, but you know, would you would you rat? What would you rather? You know what I mean? So I think that's cool. I don't, won't pretend to know like what's ultimately the better decision or whatever but I think I I think if if you've treat these guys like major leaguers the whole time I think that kind of mentally goes a long way and mm-hmm. and you know and these are the kind of things I didn't pay that much attention to I should have now I'm looking back I kind of regret this but like you know like Turnbull was he was it the same last year or was he mainly down
1: uh yeah he was mainly in Lakeland or even in out wherever he lives nashville or alabama or something like that um you know when michael fulmer had his he was in lakeland and then oklahoma the whole time generally guys who have longer injuries are not with the major league club that's getting changed a little bit i think specifically in the case of Mize and scoobal because they're such big pieces of this franchise and also i think look so many guys got hurt the last couple of years, it's like, all right, we can't kind of have this vacation camp in Lakeland. Like, they think it was also a thing. Like, you don't just get to go on vacation in Lakeland if you're hurt. Uh, we're going to try to kind of keep you around here so you feel a part of things and stay in the the rhythm of being a big leaker a little bit more.
0: I like that. I like that. And like I said, for those guys specifically, I think that does a lot of good. Again, just having them out there, home opener, catch the first pitches. I mean, that these are all part of it being... Guys that are uh, relative faces of the franchise. So, all right, Cody. Uh, this podcast is going to be up May first. That feels weird to say. Not gonna lie. Uh, uh, this month flew by for me for uh, uh, fun reasons and not so fun reasons. But uh, but yeah, it, it flew by for me. And so we're we'll just call it a month into the season. I know it's a little more. Well, will just call it a month into the season. And. You pointed out on Twitter this week, at Cody Stavenhagen, that the Tigers had reached the 9-win mark faster than the previous two years. And I assume, I didn't see an update on this, but I assume the 10-win mark... uh,
1: They they did reach the 10-win mark. People were saying that I had really ruined their season by tweeting the 9-win thing. Uh, which I was just kind of saying it was their their best start. It's like no, they could still lose thirteen in a row. Well, they won their tenth game, so they've reached the best way to phrase it: they've reached ten wins f- the fastest they have in the AJ Hinch era. Yes, which isn't saying a lot, but you know, something to consider. It's something when you look back on the past month. Yes, it's something. I think you know, if I would have told you before the season, all right, Tigers are going to start ten and seventeen, how would you feel?
0: I would have been like, all right, that seems pretty chalk. Did, yeah, how, I've oh.
1: been like that's that's probably pretty realistic. At least it's not absolute worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is about fifteen of these seventeen losses have been really ugly. Um but they've interspersed just enough wins, done just enough to remain somewhat uh I don't know about relevant, but you know, to remain somewhat interesting. They've had nights where they're competitive and it's possible to see the quality of play improving as we get a little deeper into the season here.
0: So I I want to kind of boil this down in a couple ways. You said like a lot, of, you know, however many, I know you were being unscientific there, however many losses have been ugly. And that is true. But it's also kind of funny because I was looking at the schedule. There's only three games. That the tigers have lost by more than 4 runs and i always say I, I, wow. I always use that because uh in my mind i know that's not the official stat but in my mind it's always a save opportunity when it's 4 runs cuz i think any swing in the bat and you blow a save it ought to be kind of considered i'm not trying to get the, the stat changed or anything but that's just how i kind of mentally view it so that's why i chose that number and, you know there are like three or maybe t- three four loss uh four run loss games in there but they've been blown out when I say blown out like twice and then a a really ugly game against Toronto three to nine uh just final score wise now the ugliness that you're referring to is the like the three to one losses right the the two to four the ones where it just kind of seems like they're limping to to try to get a run scored you wrote about the offense this week and again so you, you you just asked me how would you feel if they were 10 and 17 i says chuck if you said how would you feel they're 10 and 17 and they have basically the worst offense i'd be like why is it not worse you know like <laughs> right <laughs> so uh so before we kind of dive into that a little bit more uh looking at the numbers cody if you're an athletic subscriber you can read the story published earlier this week uh about just the the putrid output of offense at times what are the most concerning numbers for you that you look at that um make you have to here's how I'll phrase it when you hear stuff like good at bats and good approaches what's the number that goes to your mind it's like oh yeah this number can't be that hot you know (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it starts with they still strike out a lot. I will try to pull up the updated strikeout rate here, but the bottom line, you're at, bot- at bat quality can't be that great if you are striking out as much as all but maybe a couple of teams in the league. The walk rate is up a little bit, but still bottom third in the league. Um, You know, so is it are things improved compared to last year? Yeah, even the high strikeout rate is down compared to last year, but compared to you know the rest of Major League Baseball, things still uh, are not great. The Tigers' strikeout rate is 26.3 percent, that is third worst behind the Mariners and Giants, who I I would not have guessed uh, as being worse than the Tigers. And then you look at the walk rate, and the Tigers are 22nd, 8.3%. That's not horrible, but, you know, still bottom third. Uh, interesting the Giants rate ranked that high in strikeout rate, a Scott Harris-constructed team. <laughs> but that's all to say, they strike out a lot, and, you know, Sometimes striking out a lot is okay if you have, I don't know, a lot of power. Well, this team does not have a lot of power. In fact, this team has virtually no power. 337 team slugging percentage, that is the absolute worst in baseball. And that's why when you're in these 3-1, 4-2 games, sometimes it feels like the Tigers are just never going to score. There's not that one guy in the lineup who you're afraid of or that one guy you feel like can change the scoreboard with one swing of the bat. Uh, it's still a very, very weak offense is, I mean, all the numbers reflect that on base percentage 28th, uh, and a couple days ago, they were dead last. And that's just kind of where we're at. Look at the names in the lineup every day. Not exactly awe inspiring. You have with Kerry Carpenter now hurt. Your only guys hitting above league average are Jake Rogers and Zach McKinstry. I, I think Matt Vierling is actually there now, too. But, you know, if I would have told you that before the season, I'd be pretty concerned. Okay, so that means Javi's doing poorly. That means Riley's doing poorly. That means Torkelson's doing poorly. Put all that together, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing they have 10 wins.
0: Not feeling so hot one month into my Javi Baez making uh, the All-Star team and and being a 2020 guy. It hasn't, uh, hasn't exactly gone that direction he is homerless so he'd have to and i'm assuming strikeout lit or not strikeout, a uh, stolen base list i i i believe that's correct i don't maybe he's gotten one in there uh but but yeah so <sighs> i'm trying to examine the fan base a little bit here because you're you're getting we'll talk about your mailbag more in in detail in a second but there's a lot of pent up frustration. Bias has
1: two stolen bases. Ooh. All right, give the man some All credit. All right,
0: shout out Javi. My bad, bro. Like, I, only 18 to go and 20 more home runs. You can do it. <laughs> uh, and also, good on him or good for him for not having a more substantial uh, injury, having uh, taken a taking a fastball there. So the the fan base feels anger. Ang- like, feels as angry as they were last year, but maybe a little bit more because of just, you know, kind of pent up, you know, acceleration. But I'm over here kind of saying, like, I get everything. Here Here's here's what I think. I think if Riley Green looked like he was ascending, if Spencer Torkelson had, like, a couple more gappers. Not, I'm not even going to say, oh, like, home runs. Like, a couple more gappers in a key spot. Last week, you know, would have been some, some good chances for that. There probably would be more enthusiasm for a 10 and 17 start, given the schedule, which we haven't really mentioned the schedule a lot because, you know, whatever, what can you do? But to me, it kind of... it, it It's all part of the equation here, and I can't help but think that there ought to be a little bit more... I don't know, I want to say I don't want to say positivity but contextually contextually this team seems about exactly what should have been reasonably expected. Now if you want to go back and say you didn't sign uh, a major league hitter in the offseason or a major league contract hitter in the offseason, that's a different part of the discussion. Now you can say, well, this is what you get because uh you know this is uh, kind of what you get. But at the same time, I, and I'll throw in the, the Meadows thing, not to, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but if you said 10 and 17, all these low numbers, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Meadows has, he's going through his personal stuff again, so he hasn't been available, then you're like, okay, well, this all makes more sense. I, I'm not, I'm just saying if things are going chalk, you shouldn't be that pissed. You can be pissed at the process that left you here, but if things are going chalk, you shouldn't be that pissed. You should be more, I, but I think it's because of the aesthetics uh, uh, of it all.
1: Yeah, I think if Green or Torque are playing well, there's that gives you something to be excited about, right? And even though this team is, is still kind of treading water, what are you excited about? I, I don't have a whole lot. And I, that's with saying that the schedule is going to eventually get a little bit easier. Some of these guys, we said this all last year, but theoretically some of these guys will eventually heat up. Like there is definitely a shot that, no, I think the quality of play has already improved since the Javi Baez benching game. Things have been uh, definitely cleaner. Uh, so that's certainly a plus. That said, I get I get the anger and I get the frustration too because you still have the worst offense in baseball. Like, There's just not been a lot of progress. The guys that you are relying on in Torkelson and Green are really, really struggling. And there are certain nights where team looks just uh just lost you know just completely punchless um eduardo rodriguez is shoving i guess that's good and that gets you excited about trading <laughs> him elsewhere you know it's like the these same conversations that we've had with the tigers for years and i think that's where the frustration comes.
0: yeah and i you know i always try to fight myself by thinking like oh the same old same old when you know it's really not ever same old, same old. It just kind of plays out that way. But, like, the details are different. And, again, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit with your mailbag. The the, the details are different. And I, I, I think you would still feel better about the lineup compared to A.J. Hinch's first season. If you just, like, looked at them both, you'd be like, all right, well, you know, there's at least there, there's a there's ton more talent
1: there. on this team to the point that it's kind of weird to the point, like, remember 2021? Like, how did that even happen? You know, how did they even play that well, and what happened, and why can't it be replicated? I've been asking myself that, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint. It's like, well, actually, like, Jonathan Scope and Robbie Grossman almost carried that team through a lot of the summer, which is kind of strange to think about, right? But then it's like, how did Akil Badu hit 13 home runs in a major league season? Were we all in, like, hallucinogens? Like, I can't imagine him hitting, like, one home run Maybe it was
0: the the power of the vaccine. The vaccine wore off, and... <laughs>
1: oh god. And
0: if anyone takes that too seriously, relax. All right? Just relax. All right? That's a funny joke. Don't 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 get too serious about it. All right. Uh but but it kind of leads me to say like if you're more or less in close games over and over again and even though you're coming up short more often than not, uh there's there's a manager conversation to be had here because there's we've talked about the The pass that AJ metaphorically got over the past couple years. And then some... A little bit more, like, scrutiny, I would say. Not like hot seat stuff, but like scrutiny. And we're getting that more now, too. But... So there's two things here. And I think both can be true at at the same time. Every time... I love getting the notification of what the uh, lineup is. I love it. Because there is... I'm... There's no rhyme or reason to that to it, and what I mean by that is not like what he's doing. I mean that is like there's not a pattern that we can predict. Like it's it's, it's relative. It's relatively. It seems random if you if you're just looking at names and spots. It's not random. I'm accusing him of making random lineups. I'm just saying like there's he's playing around. He's playing around with the lineup. He is tinkering, and and there's been some conversations about the uh, the AJ Hinch tinkering, but a, there's. There's criticism of that, and I want to get your thoughts on the tinkering in general. But there's also if they're in all these close games and you have a runner on first and a runner on second down by one with one out, it you put your guys in position to win. Right? And then you you know, you put you bring in the best hitter you have off the bench in a key spot, and what does he do? He strikes out. You know what I mean? Is that like a hinge thing? Maybe if I wanted to say like I don't care about lefty lefty, which I don't, but you know, is that like a is that a hinge thing or is that an execution thing, front office thing or whatever? It seems to me, God, opportunities are had here, so the tinkering is kind of fun to talk about. I'm not sure it's worthy of criticism in in the way that it's being being criticized right now on Tiger's Twitter, but. What are your thoughts about how AJ's kind of setting up the order? You talked about it on Twitter today with uh with how how it went down against the Orioles, a game which again was very winnable and you had the opportunities I just described there and more. But how would you kind of describe like AJ's kind of use of this lineup as we have a, a month of sample size?
1: Yeah, I think I have some varying thoughts on this. Like I I've, I've seen, you know, people in my comments a lot. Like why doesn't AJ just keep one set lineup? And I don't know that I'm, I'm like big on that argument. Like I think if your players aren't mentally strong enough to handle hitting seven versus two, like that's not a good sign for the player. And I think a lot of the fans out there just aren't taking platoon splits into consideration. You're not going to start Kerry Carpenter and Nick Maton and whoever all in the same lineup against a left-handed starter. Um, the in-game stuff, I think A.J. Hinch is probably the best in-game manager I've ever seen. Um, I worry things are starting to veer more toward over-managing. That's kind like, is that a, a blame? Do you blame that on A.J., or do you blame that on the fact he has a very bad roster to work with and he's just trying to get anything he can out of these guys? Like, I understand why he's doing all the tinkering, I don't love the stacking lefties at multiple parts in the order. Um, kind of seems like there are times AJ can be managing for like a certain situation that might occur in the seventh inning, uh, but you have you know 27 outs to worry about. I don't know if uh, managing toward one invented scenario is necessarily the best way to go about it, but there's always a reason to what A.J. Hinch does, and I try to explain that on Twitter a lot, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, It was really fascinating to watch this Orioles series. I think A.J. Hinch and and Brandon Hyde are two managers where you can usually kind of see their fingerprints on the game, and to see them kind of play the chess match was a lot of fun. I think it ended up being arguably A.J. Hinch's worst managed series as Tiger's manager, and I think that's less about the pinch hitting, like, I think generally he's putting his guys in a position to succeed there, whether it works out or not, uh, but some of his pitching decisions, um, you know, I thought he had a little bit of a long hook with Boyd, I thought he had a long hook with and Shreve in the first game of the series, um, and he had his reasons there for sticking with certain matchups that he liked. Uh, I personally would probably still lean toward the fresh arm when a guy looks like he's struggling a little bit, even if, you know, Baltimore might insert X pinch hitter. I'd probably lean toward the fresh arm in most cases. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. He can be accused of overmanaging, but I think it was the couple of decisions he didn't make that were probably his most questionable, let's say in the Orioles discussion, uh, Orioles series. All that said, I don't always view like managerial decisions or baseball decisions as right or wrong. Uh, they are generally fun debates and the manager can't control the outcome. He's he's doing his best to put guys in a position to succeed. Why is he not you know, why is he pinch hitting for Nick Maton, for Haas? Well it's because Nick Maton has no hits against left handed pitchers this year. Uh, and Eric Haas, in theory, is good against lefties. It hasn't worked out that way, but Part of the reason certain guys have good numbers is because they're being put in positions to succeed. Uh, So I think those are just all things to take into consideration. Uh, it, It can be a fine line, right, between making those moves, pressing those buttons, and overdoing it a little bit. I think AJ is certainly toeing that line, maybe starting to creep a little too far across that line um but at the same time having a manager who is willing to think tactically all game is generally a good thing like this guy's going out there trying to win trying to do what he can with a roster that uh, where he doesn't have a lot Okay
0: so a couple things there if he had a relative set lineup righty lefty and they had the worst uh offensive output in baseball He'd be slammed. He he would be slammed. Yeah, change Ch- the lineup. Change the lineup. Right. And two, and look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. We come in here and we give our thoughts on things and, and, and Tigers Twitter is a is an informed Twitter just like the Tigers fans are there's really good, great baseball fans. But that's the easiest AJ's getting flack for the stuff that's like the easiest to criticize in terms of like they're the simplest decisions. Not to say that like they're easy decisions, but they're why didn't you bring Lang in? You know, it doesn't take a genius to have an opinion on that. You know what I mean? And same yes. thing with the lineup. It's just like NBA coaches get flagged for not using their timeouts. It's like that's the one thing you can yeah. everybody ha- can have an opinion on when they use a timeout uh, in a game. And so, so AJ is kind of facing that here. And I don't know. I I feel like there this is more of a credit to him this start because again, like not to me- to mention. The, the Meadows thing has to kind of be brought up, and I, I kind of hate doing it because I don't want to make it seem like I'm criticizing him, but the fact that he's not here was another wrinkle that was not expected this season. And, you know, thankfully to this point for position players, that's been the biggest injury uh, shake-up, really. Uh, pitching's a different equation, we'll get to that in a second, but... He's been dealt with something that he has to try to manage wins, to manufacture wins with his managerial decisions, and you can have. An, I I would have just brought in Alex Lang, you know, in the in the eighth there. I just would have, but that doesn't.
1: Oh on Sunday I thought people who wanted Lang in the game Sunday were I mean I would have because like, I
0: don't care yeah. about righty lefty
1: Orioles had four out of five left-handed I, yeah, hitters I, coming up like and you and Lang can't pitch every day he's trying to fine. preserve Lang. Lang pitched the day before so theoretically Shreve should be in a position to succeed there he didn't yeah. and so Lang ended up having to come in well, the Well that's
0: the Lang. thing uh, but,
1: but they weren't they weren't winning people are acting like it was like a safe situation they are winning like they are losing yeah, the game
0: I would have had him in there to hold but or why warm him up at all uh in, in my opinion so
1: I think he got him. He got him warm in the inning before that when the Tigers had yeah, runners on because there's an event they could have yeah, taken. the but lead. He
0: still could have like, I don't know again. I'm not saying like, I'm not like trying to like get on him for the decision. I'm just saying what I would have done because of my yeah. very, very, very small baseball knowledge compared to him. I just don't care about right lefty. Get your best pitcher out there in the in spot, a hold and, and a, and a, a hold with a run, one run deficit and a tie and a one run lead like you you have he's capable of doing all those things. I agree with you about how he can't pitch every day, but to me the the thought process of putting him in was the same regardless of those three scenarios. But again, I understand why he's doing it. I don't it just didn't work out. You know what I mean? Since it didn't work out, it's the easiest thing to criticize. You know, and the bottom line is you still had the opportunities there where you could have brought him in in the ideal situation and you didn't. So like these are Everything affects everything, right? So
1: I thought the worst decision was the day before, like leaving Matthew Boyd in after a walk. Boyd had already given up four runs, even though there had been a lot of weak contact. We all we all kinda always feel like a Matthew Boyd home run ball is coming, right? Like and I, and I think to me a pitcher with like a late inning walk is the biggest red flag possible. Like I, I, I'm I'm pulling the guy after a walk. Again, easy to say from our shoes. right? It's fun. It gives us something to talk about. Um I think there's a little bit too much Twitter complaining about the manager. Even if I do think that uh, uh, there are almost a a few too many buttons being pressed, or at least really just in the Orioles. The thing
0: is, we expect it's a weird thing we do as like sports fans, sports evaluators, is that we don't expect hitters to bat a thousand but we kind of expect our managers to bat a thousand and we expect our GMs to bat a thousand. And, especially, you know, from a, you know, a managerial in game standpoint, I mean, how many, how many decisions does AJ Hinch make over the course of a game? Like I, I, I don't even know because you kind of decide something by not doing something. So, I mean, it, it, numerous, you can't bat a thousand, totally. you know, and especially the parameters around not, you know, trying to keep, guys rested or, you know, try to keep all that stuff in, in into consideration. Like it's, there's a lot that goes into it. People know that, but again, it's, it's, it's just this weird thing where we expect managers to bat a thousand. I'm not sure why it, but it is, uh, it. Well,
1: I mean, in everything, people want everything to be black and white, like in the, the mailbag, you know, it's get a question about, will we extend guys like Torkelson and green? And then the next question is like, I'm not seeing any progress in Torkelson and green at all. And both are somewhat valid thoughts, right? But it's like people are always trying to dig in and entrench themselves with like one side or the other. When in reality, I I don't know. I don't know if Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson are going to come out of this. I tend to think one of them probably will. I tend to think Riley Green probably will. But I can't say absolutely. I don't predict the future. None of us do.
0: Do you think the mustache helps or hurts his extension chain?
1: The mustache needs to go. The mustache is not helping it. The mustache might hinder his career. And then changing walk-up songs every three days is not good either. Rocking Morgan Wallen as your walk-up song. We don't approve of that here on Turning the Corner. So, you know, Riley has some things he can change, and maybe it's not as much about the uh, vertical approach angle or pitch selection. Maybe it's more the mustache and the walk-up song.
0: There you go. Now There's your ultimate Monday morning quarterbacking right there. <laughs> So it's funny, Cody, just real quick. It's funny how you mention Matthew Boyd is kind of, you know, that home run ball is coming or whatever. I had to have that conversation with one of my buddies. We We were in Kansas City for the draft, like I said. You can purchase marijuana in Missouri, but you can't gamble on sports in Missouri. In Kansas City, Kansas, you can gamble on sports, but you can't purchase marijuana, so... Uh, I don't smoke pot. I don't judge anybody who does, but, uh, I do like to sports gamble when I can. And so it was very interesting. Like, all right, we got to go to, we were at a dive, the diveiest dive bar on the planet in, uh, just on the other side of the border in Kansas. Uh, so we could place bets. Had a great time there. Actually, John, shout out Johnny's on seventh. Uh, definitely check it out. If you're ever in Kansas city, um, but my buddy's like, Oh, so what's the deal with Matthew Boyd? Like, you know, where where should his money go? And I kinda had to do the conversation. It was like, Well, there's gonna be like three to four, like, pretty good innings. And, you know, or he, or he might get to he might get to six or five and two and you know, it might give up four runs, but it's really gonna be two really bad pitches that uh that went over the the uh, went over the fence over there. And so uh, so yeah, it's funny that you know. It's funny how that works out, right? So, anyway, uh, shout-out Johnny's on 7th. Highly recommend it. And Slaps Barbecue, if you're going to Kansas City, uh, better than the ones that you've heard more of. I'll just say that. So, anywho, you had a mailbag this week, Cody. And, like, you know, it it was midweek, but we can kind of still consider it, like, the end of the first month of the season mailbag thoughts. And the best parts about mailbags are they give you and you know me as someone who reads them like an indicator of what other fans are thinking and what where their heads at on xyz and what's important to them right so this is an unofficial poll of sorts so what was kind of your gauge of where where fans heads are at in regards to this team with as we talked about the two uh, the the 10 and 17 start and the low ranked offense and and the tinkering conversations and all this stuff like where 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 do you do you find the fans to be at uh mentality wise
1: yeah it was really interesting how few questions there were about the actual team or the day-to-day or the the current you know 26-man roster or 40-man roster got the sense people aren't very locked in on the day-to-day which again i, I guess i can understand Those were probably the questions I could have given the best answers to, but I got a lot of big-picture stuff. I got a lot of who's going to get traded, who can get signed, who can get extended. I got a million Justin Henry Malloy questions, which Malloy's working his way to the big leagues. He's doing really well. His OBP skills probably translate, but I'm just, everybody relax. We do this with all these guys. We just sit with Tyler Nevin, and these guys come up here, and they don't perform right away. In the case of a young player like Malloy, maybe it'll take some time, whatever. So good for Jay Hinn doing great things. Bet he gets to the big leagues pretty soon. But relax. He's not gonna save the franchise by himself. Um and I got I got some questions that I didn't if I didn't get to your question, I'm I apologize. Got a lot. Some I just legitimately did not know the answer to. Some uh I didn't really think we're great for the mailbag format. Some were just straight up ridiculous. If you're, if you're someone who submitted a ridiculous question, like you probably know who you are, like, you know, know, come on, let's reevaluate a little bit. Overall questions were pretty good and thoughtful actually, but they were, they were very big picture. Um, I think people are still just trying to answer, okay, like where do we go from here? How does this ever change? How does this franchise improve or get better? That was really the prevailing theme.
0: Yeah. Uh, Quick side note, then we'll kind of get to the mailbag. Uh, I actually think we're doing the, I think we're doing this team a little bit of a disservice by not, like, based on some of the comments and like the tone that you just described, I still think this is a fun team. Like, I still think there's enough in- intrigue there for me, and I, you know, I can only speak for myself. I understand the log of like a clo- you know, low run games and. Uh, and, 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 not you know, coming up short, but, you know, like, if if, if you can't get, you know, the what's that little meme of uh, the guy playing video games where he just leans forward, you know, what makes you do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, if you can't do that for, like, Veerling or Maton, just in the sense of, like, these are the new guys on the team. If you can't do that for Torkelson and with a runner on second and two outs and you're down by one, like, if you can't do that for... Matthew Boyd you might not be that great of a human being because he's a great human being why wouldn't you want to watch him there's a lot of guys that like can I don't know I still have fun watching this team and they've they've still provided moments
1: yeah when when the days they've won or been in games they've been they've been pretty fun pretty interesting a little bit scrappy two walk offs just one of the days they've lost, they've looked yeah. like a completely different team.
0: And I forgot to mention this last, but, week, but that's Matt again, like catch, it's, it's you know, like there's there's
1: Matt Vierling is third in baseball in defensive runs saved, uh, tied for tops among right fielders. His WRC plus is over hundred. He low key is playing some really good baseball right now.
0: Yeah, and he wasn't far off from throwing out a runner today at home. What a great throw. What yeah, a great throw. Uh, uh, unexpectedly, the uh, close play
1: there at the plate.
0: So I just wanted to say, like, there. I think there's still fun to be had watching yeah.
1: watching these guys. And, and and that's all. It's there's been a lot of criticism of Scott Harris too, right? And that's interesting because I, I kind of get that. And it's like, okay, do you feel? How do you feel about Harris compared to the day he was hired? You know. Probably most people feel worse. I think I'm still trying to be like, it's just hard to judge a GM in less than a year's time. Because some things seem bad, he didn't add a major league hitter, that's really showing up. But look at the guys he did bring in. I you know I don't know that any of them are going to be all-stars or whatever, but Vierling's doing good things. Mateon, I don't know if he's a regular, but there's some things to like about Mateon. We were all wrong, and Scott Harris was right about Zach McKinstry, <laughs> at least for this two-week span here. It's a long season, but uh, McKinstry is doing good things. Like, the moves he has made, there are things to like about, uh, you know, Malloy, obviously, tearing it up in A. There are things to like about the moves he has made. So that's why I, I'm still just kind of trying to resist, like, you know, the, the the let's evaluate the GM conversation. There will be a time for it. It's just hard, and we haven't seen enough yet.
0: Can we let him draft at least one guy first? You know? <laughs> that's, like, that, yeah, that's it. But anyway. Uh, are they going to draft a pitcher, man? <laughs> it sounds like
1: the Skeens guy from LSU is going to be there at three, and he might be hard to pass on, but oh my God. Are, are, are they really going to draft another pitcher? Uh, I, we, we're. we're that's going to be a fun discussion. I, in, I, um, I high
0: key am looking forward to talking about that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we didn't talk about this when it happened because I didn't really think it was, I'm going to say not worthy, but I didn't think it was that there there was a, a lot of meat on the bone. But somebody asked about it. You talked about it on the mailbag, and, and so we can address it. The Given the young players extensions conversation and a really fun, like, Harris answering the question, like, really thoughtfully, you know, like, admitting that that's, like, part of their calculation for the long term of the franchise, which, I don't know, I, I would have been like, I, you know, I'd like to see him play a game first before I start, you know, with my own eyes, with my, <laughs> under my tutelage before doing that. And just generally speaking with these guys, I don't know, who's, who's giving you, who are you giving extension the headline extensions, there are other extensions that can be had, but the headline extensions. Um, but your thoughts overall about Scott, you know, kind of talking about it and, and, you know, I think I read one of your beat writer colleagues at the time. I, I don't want to say the wrong name, so I, I won't say any names talk about. It, it could be like those Jake Rogers types. They get like the, uh, the couple year extensions that aren't like, you know, that heavy in price, but you kind of like take care of your guys thing. I don't know.
1: Uh, really? Okay. I don't think I would do that. I think players like that, there can be a little too much volatility and like that, that'd be like it. Or if the Tigers would have extended Jamer Candelario, which for a little bit was a conversation. Yeah.
0: So, but anyway. Like, right, the-
1: probably, probably glad you didn't, like, sign him to, like, a multi-year type <laughs> thing. Or even even Jonathan Scope, who they did give the extension, and it looked good at first, and now now you're, like, stuck with him in this miserable year. Um, no, I, like, I think if Riley Green ever breaks out locking him up, like, guys across the league, Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco and Ronald Acuna, like, those type of deals are—they tend to be a little bit team friendly, so it makes a ton of sense for teams to do it. It has some benefits for the player as well. You get your money uh, quicker—that's for sure. You don't have these low-paid arb as much. You know, I wonder how much of this like might be learned from Harris's experience with the Cubs, where they didn't extend any of their young core. And they lost them all. Ended up, you know, basically selling them all in one deadline.
0: Pennies on the dollar um, in some cases,
1: right? It didn't get a ton of value in return. Pico Armstrong, actually, not bad, but um, but then you also look at that, and it's like, okay, did okay? Well, Javi Baez is not not the player he was at the peak of his Cubs time. Chris Bryant. Has not had the career people would thought he have would have after he won Rookie of the Year and MVP. Anthony Rizzo's like still a pretty good player, but like you know Kyle Schwarber's actually maybe the one guy who's really uh, non-tendered. Kyle Schwarber, wow, and he's he's actually become a really good hitter. You know, very limited in other aspects of his game. So like you could you can kind of talk yourself in circles in that one too. I think bottom line the Cubs lost all their young core and didn't build a dynasty like they should have, and they didn't extend any of those guys. And it didn't ultimately work out well. There's some of them that maybe if they did extend, they would be kicking themselves for those extensions right now. So it's a tough conversation, right? But if you identify real, legit talent, uh, I think those are are deals worth making.
0: Another example of Monday morning quarterbacking, like, you know, years later, you know, like, uh, you know, why'd you do this? Or why, how could you do this? Uh, The Miguel Cabrera contracts Uh, (laughs) kind of falls in that category. Uh, which, uh, by the way, we can have this conversation now. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not hot. You know, the Miguel Cabrera situation and, and, and people I think want that to be talked about more, but what, what is there to really say where like he, he is a below average player at this point in his career and he's riding out into the sunset and he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. And I'm not sure. You talk about limitations with tinkering. Like, what is like AJ Hinch supposed to do with that? How are you supposed to handle, as well respected and liked as he is across the league and especially in the clubhouse? Like, that's a that's a thing you really got to handle well, just in general. And congratulations, Cody. You said that Jonathan Scope would be hitting 200 by May 1st, and he is. So congratulations, oh, you
1: did it. 217 for Big Jonathan Scope. <laughs> Let's go. It's been pretty ugly and rough with Scope too uh on the day you know andy abania shows up in the clubhouse and zach short is there and we're trying to figure out what's the 40 man move and none of us were smart enough to think matt manning was going on the 60 day because remember when he was gonna make his next start and then it was it'll only be a few weeks and none of us thought it was a 60 day injury well that ended up being it but we didn't see scope that whole day i looked i was looking around his locker like i didn't see his bag or his shoes he had like you know team issued stuff still in there, but I didn't see a glove. And I was like, for about five minutes, I was like, Did they actually wax scope? Oh my gosh, if they didn't do it, then I'm not not sure it's not sure it's happening anytime soon. But I, when Days Scope and Miggy are in the same lineup, it's bad, it's like a seven person lineup. Um, so you can only do this for so long, I, I still don't know, you know. What's the Miggy thing gonna look like in another month? Kind of a scary thought, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But in uh, we'll go back to uh, another mailbag uh, here. The most interesting question I thought that was the, that was published, Cody, was the: Do you try to get ahead of uh, the opt-out essentially for Eduardo Rodriguez and offer him a market value contract extension? Uh, that's really an angle that I hadn't I hadn't really thought of. Same, same. And and so credit I want to get it was Robert, uh, Robert uh, with the question. So I want to give him credit there. Really th- uh, thought provoking question. Uh, I'll give my thoughts, Cody, and then you can kind of take it in whichever direction you you want. Uh, I just don't know if there's even going to be a meeting at the table to be had there from Eduardo's perspective. If you're keen on hitting free agency which he will be eligible for and it's his right his contractual right uh cba laden right to do so i just don't know if there's an offer that the tigers can like there's not because there's no market value right now the market value will come later so you can go based on last year's but not really you know what i mean that's just a floor so unless he just wants like generation of generation of Eduardo Rodriguez family tree to live in Detroit from, you know, the rest of his life. You know, there's not really any business sense to doing it unless he just loves playing for the Tigers, which I'm sure like, you know, I don't think there's any, uh, disinterest or anything like that, but like,
1: you think Eduardo Rodriguez loves playing for the Tigers, Karen?
0: I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying
1: he doesn't like it. I'm not saying he hates it, but I'm saying this guy played on a winning team in Boston. And we saw his first year in Detroit went. I don't think he's going out of his way to yeah. like,
0: yeah. Nor, you know, you know, nor would anybody in that situation. So, from right. a business perspective, I just don't know. Like the Tigers would have to blow out the market for him to really consider it. Uh, but yeah. I, but I thought it was interesting. You know, and credit to him for getting back to the water of old uh, this year, shoveling as you. Yeah, say. I, I,
1: I think the. It, it probably never ends up being a discussion for reasons you just stated. It probably If I'm Eduardo's agent, I would probably be like, dude, let's just hit free agency, and if we want to keep talking to the Tigers, we can talk. But we're, we're going to see what other teams come after you and how much they offer you. You're a lefty starter. You've had success before. This is all assuming he stays healthy and continues performing at this level, by the way. Um... So I'm trying to think, okay, would that be smart for the Tigers? And that's an interesting conversation. I don't think it's a ludicrous suggestion at all. I tend to lean toward no, because are you close to competing? Not sure anyone really knows what the timeline is now, right? A lot has to go right for even 2024, you know, to feel like a year where playoffs are even a conversation. Um. So, our is this where we're devoting our money? Especially if you have a tradable guy where you could get young hitting, which is probably what you need the most. When you do have Mize and Scooble returning, and although you can never have too much pitching, there's nothing wrong with having Scooble and Eduardo and Mize. Uh, like you have, you do have some pitching depth in the system. Like I think you can afford to not have Eduardo Rodriguez, and in another year or two, if the rest of the organization has gotten things right, you can go back out in free agency and you can sign another ace, maybe even more of a proven, uh, consistently proven guy than Eduardo Rodriguez. I I think you have a pretty good opportunity right now to get some value for Erod, and I think it probably makes more sense to capitalize on that than it does to try to try to keep him around.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we just talked about how piss poor the offense is. And uh, right. you have one of. This is your best opportunity uh, to. Probably the best
1: trade ship they have had since who?
0: Exactly. <laughs> since trades that uh, we don't like to talk about <laughs> around here. But, you know, the
1: last few years, E hey. is a far more valuable trade ship hey, than they are. Maybe
0: have. a guy who's. Uh, you know, gonna be in town uh, this week. Maybe a guy <laughs> who like his first name is two initials. I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And, and then yeah, from from the it it would be such a feel good story if the team was like more successful. But uh, that's not the status that we're in. And yeah, I think another thing that the reason that we do the HKG rankings, which I'm gonna do a little wrinkle on that a little bit later. The reason we do that is because, like, Harris has to try to build a team in his mold, and every single player that he inherited, there's no guarantee that he feels the way that Al felt about this guy. You know what I mean? And it just, like, every single guy. And Eduardo feels the same way, and you could argue that, like, when he was researching him being Scott Harris— when he was researching the team and, and, and how to, you know, improve the roster, that asset was probably first on his list of, like, this is how I can improve uh, improve the team, like, more quickly than just waiting for guys in the minors and, you know, draft and free agency and, and you know, all that stuff. Uh, speak. Sorry, I'm going over the mailbag, and I just saw. is this the worst team you've ever covered? Come on, people! Come
1: that, on. that was actually a ridiculous <laughs> question, but I thought it was funny, yeah. so I put it in there. Yeah. No, this team ugly as it can be as light that 2019 team was we, i will never cover another team as bad as that i don't think <laughs> well th- the, th- <laughs> the thing is because you, you, it was the third worst <laughs> team in the history of the american league like literally it was one of the yeah. worst teams ever
0: and we we've seen uh like we talked about the schedule before the season it's like god i can't go through another sludging. and as kind of frustrating as it could be it's not sludging compared to years prior right uh just some some important perspective but the reason I bring up the Harris kind of guy thing and all that stuff is that you know you got a question about like do you just try to take these pieces that you inherited the uh the Mises the Mannings the Scoobles the Floreses and you know even throwing Job in there I guess although I'm not guessing his values that high right now hope he you know is recovering well from his injury uh Jace and Torque and Riley and, and I think if baseball were more like football or basketball, this would probably be more of a conversation. But it's not. You don't like turn over the entire farm system like like that. But uh, also, you would the way that you do that is for them. If you were to go down that road, is that they got to like perform? You know, they got to like another team's got to want them and want to give up some value in order to acquire them. Um, so yeah, another example of uh, career uh, or. One or the other thing, black and white that we see on uh, on Twitter. Uh, another thing, uh, some we've talked about it as much as we can, but since it was in the mailbag this week, uh, we'll, we'll we'll bring it up again. I think part of the frustration levels that we've talked about throughout this episode has to do with okay, we're being told that the team is improving analytics and performance science and, and health and. People sort of wanting an early return on that, which is understandable. Uh, but that's not necessarily how it works, especially when it was kind of like the transition happened and then the GM was changed, and like it's still. I feel like it's still in the meshing process, everything, which is, which uh, which which I think would be to be expected. Uh, but. what what can you even share about this super secret world that the tigers are doing or the kind of people that they have? I think it's, I think if, if you were to cling to something, you have to cling to the resumes of the people they brought in to execute uh, uh, this plan with, with all these advanced technologies and numbers and, and so on.
1: Yeah. I, I wish I could explain it a little better or in a little more detail. As you alluded to, these things are highly top secret and, and one thing about Scott Harris, he has been very quiet so far since the regular season started. Um, haven't seen him around a lot, and I think the entire organization is uh, even less open uh, than than it was in the past. So there's a lot I don't know about the inner workings of things right now. If you're a Tigers employee listening, you want to talk just like one background so I can provide more information. Uh, um, more context, more information. I'd love to chat. I'm not going to quote you, you know, we can, just, we can go grab a beer. Um, but, uh, given where we're at now, like, yeah, I think there's been a lot of personnel turnover even before Scott Harris, even, you know, the last couple years since AJ came in the org, it's been a slow evolution. I think one of the reasons the fan base has a hard time latching on to the, Oh, well the infrastructure is better is because we were also told that, you know, for the whole Avila regime, right? And it wasn't necessarily false. It shows you how far the Tigers were behind. They improved stuff, and it still wasn't good enough. Um, and they didn't necessarily have the right people overseeing. Uh, just because you get a Soto machine doesn't mean you're using it as effectively as the Astros or the Dodgers is probably the, the layman's terms way to put it. You need coaches who can look at that data and interpret that data and sit down with the pitcher and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing, here's what we can do to improve it, and then get the player to go out and execute it. So the Tigers got some of the technology. They didn't really have the people in place to translate that technology. They've had those people for a year, two years now, and it still takes some time to see some fruits to know if that's for real. I get the sense it's more for real. I just think there are smarter, more modern, more progressive people working up and down the organization than there were, uh, you know, probably two to three years ago.
0: And you know what else helps analytics and performance science uh, is more talented ball players. So you get those guys in there. It goes a long way. It, it goes it, a long it, way. It but
1: isn't it interesting? Like the Orioles, they have all these guys, pretty young team, and they come up and and they're pretty good ball players, right? Like they're not all stars right away. Adley Rushman struggled out the gate, and then when he took off, man, he took off. And even these other guys, I mean, like. Ryan McKenna and, like, O'Hearn and, like, Ryan Mountcastle's had far more success than Spencer Torkelson. That does make you wonder. I don't think it's a technology thing. Like, I think Torque and Green are highly touted enough prospects that um, there's only so much a team could really do, right? But it's weird. Like, it's, it's, it's to the point where it's weird. Why does no one ever come up and succeed right away in this organization, at least from a hitting standpoint? I don't know the answer to that one.
0: Uh, no, if you did, you'd be making a lot more money working for an organization or yeah, right. or yeah. some sort of uh, <clears throat> group that puts the you know puts these numbers to use uh, for for organizations. Um, okay, so you mentioned the Jayhan Han thing. You mentioned the bat. Uh, I would I think it's safe to say that he we were ex- excited at the type of player Jayhan Han could be, and but it was still kind of like all right, well. Let's see, you know, like, like I think we were kind of thinking like, you know, maybe late season call up, you know, and and he's exceeded those expectations at the plate. I have no idea uh, how he's doing defensively. I also I also just like want a third baseman prospect to like not project to the outfield like that's I, I wish for that for my birthday. I haven't like I don't know if I've gotten that gift yet. Um, but you have. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, the Jay Hen thing is encouraging. Um, if 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 you if you're excited about Jay Hen, then you got to credit the ph- philosophies of Scott Harris and the inner workings of the revamped minor league system and all that stuff. Uh, albeit with what you said, like let's calm down the expectations when when he comes up. Uh, but th- there's this there's this weird. This is the weirdest infield, I like, configuration in terms of, like, the 40-man, even guys that are just outside the 40-man, and obviously the major league, you know, the 26-man rosters, where it's like, you know, Matt feeling's going to come down and play some third base, and and, and, and Maton moves around, and, and, and you know, it would be nice if his back could get going a little bit more. Obviously, the scope conversation, Tyler Nevin, I, it's getting... It's getting to the point, now, I wanted to say this last week, but we had so many other things we were talking about, we just didn't get to it, and he did hit a home run this week, so I felt like it was only fair that I do it, I have this opinion when he had something good happen recently, <laughs> but to see how firm, I just don't know how much more we're, like I can take of, of Tyler Nevin, like, he's batting 0 9 uh so far, and... I just It hasn't shown me anything, and this was a guy that was like, eh, you know, to make the team, like, coming into spring, and then he just, like, explodes in Toledo, and then he gets to the major leagues, and it's like, what?
1: Nevin was sitting down so they could keep none other than Zach the man short, which, what a conversation that is. We talked about it in spring, kind of trying to solve the mystery of why is Zach short still in the 40-man roster. I guess we got our answer with what he did Saturday. Three for four and a homer and stellar defense. Don't know if he can do that all the time based on what we've seen in uh, previous years of his career. He probably can't, but Zach, you know, to his credit, Zach's a great guy and a great talker. And I I kind of asked him, like, um, there's been a lot of turnover you've stayed, clearly the organization sees something in you, like, what does that mean? And I really liked his answer, and he's like, yeah, it's great, but it makes me really want to prove them right, you know? He's not, like, out here coasting, like, oh, yeah, I'm great, or or I don't even know if he's like, oh, I absolutely deserve to be here. He's like, these guys are investing in me when they don't necessarily have to, and I want to prove them right. I think that's a great mindset to have. Seems like a very self aware ball player. This work loves him though, man. They, he he was supposed to come up and go back down. He had a good double header, and and here he is. We're gonna get to see some more Zach Short. I I don't know. It's I don't know what to make of it, but that's that's where we're at.
0: I'm going to make Zach Short Harris kind of guy number one this week. I know it's oh he I mean, has like, to be. No, he has to be. And it, he's the he guy. He wasn't brought in by scott harris obviously but he was retained in a, in a way that people were not expecting and
1: well he's he was with the cubs when scott harris was in that front that office That is
0: true that that is very true and so like he he earned the number one spot i like i wanted to do jay hen because of all the jay hen hype again but no, no no zach shore comes up don't forget the pinch hit like I single or whatever but hey it works all the same when you're hot you're hot and he's hot right now I, yeah full permission to go write it out
1: yeah zach, zach short who does have you know his own podcast that's how that's how good of a talker he is he should come join our podcast he'd be he'd be great he'd be better than us if you didn't see his quote on justin henry malloy it was amazing he was like yeah we've been talking about the the automatic ball strike system uh and it's like yeah we don't really need that all you have to do is ask justin uh because he knows that's how good his eye is and i was like this this guy's gold man i'm gonna go to this guy for just every story <laughs>
0: maybe maybe he's a future uh manager and gm in there too who knows
1: i was literally thinking about that when uh we were talking to him the day he got called up and he he, he was he was breaking down he was giving a scouting report of jay hen and he's like you know it's not like he's just hitting bloopers and has a high babip, and he was He was talking about the game more like we talk about the game. Uh, And I was like, this guy could be a manager or a media career or he could be like a pro golfer. I don't know. Man of many talents for sure.
0: Shout out Zach. And also uh, real quick, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the, uh, I was wondering if there was going to be a home run celebration. We got one a couple weeks ago. We haven't talked about it. Uh,
1: I I think it's (laughs) stupid. (laughs)
0: That's because you hate hockey though. (laughs)
1: That has a lot to do with it, but like, what, like, like, is there, is that really getting anyone juiced? You know, it's also, I think so like suddenly you, I don't know, like sports within another sport, I think are weird. If that makes any sense. I mean, I don't know. I guess like a basketball would be pretty cool. How about they get a basketball goal? Let's go Pistons. Yeah. I know it's not own. I know it's not Illich ownership. That probably has something to do with it. Uh, let's support the Pistons and get a mini basketball goal. And if you hit a homer, you get to dunk. I think that'd be cool. I think putting on a hockey helmet and like just wearing a hockey helmet and a stick <laughs> for a little bit is dunk oh man what do you think about it do you like it
0: i I mean i like it as much as any of them i don't think it's like dumb i I, but like i don't know i also kind of think like is it more or less silly than spitting water onto the uh field
1: the homer hose is amazing i'm
0: not saying it's not good i'm just saying it's silly is it more or less silly (laughs) it's kind of i would probably say it's less silly uh but you know i like them as much as i like all of them i'm also pro having fun so if they like it, then uh, then then all all more to it. Like even like the the hand signals after every like hit or extra base hit or whatever. Like that that gets old when you're thirty games below five hundred and you know what I mean. <laughs> but I don't criticize it because you know what? It's a game. You should want you should have fun. It should be a fun clubhouse. Uh, I'm for it. Uh, but it is silly. It's as silly as all of them. But I just I you know. I don't have like a strong feel on it. I was like, oh, cool. At least they have something. That was really my initial thoughts. Like, At least they have something because I was kind of waiting for it. Uh, anyway, Cody, uh, what? Uh, anything else you want to get into before we get out of here?
1: That's all I can think of for now.
0: All right. Well, looking forward to your uh, story about Schubel and Mize on Tuesday, which uh, which will be very timely as you have the previous iteration of Tigers pitchers, you know, in town, and then the Hopeful future, uh, you know, comparing those aspects I think is pretty cool. So I look forward to reading that. You can read that if you are an athletic subscriber. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, turn the corner on Apple and Spotify, five-star review, if you feel so inclined. You can follow Cody on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley, and it is at TurnCornerPod. Now that my life's a little bit more calm, I'm going to try to keep putting, you know, one to two videos on YouTube uh per uh, per week so turning the corner on youtube if you are one of those people that subscribes to youtube videos oh, i always have to say that because i don't like I, i'm on youtube all the time i just don't subscribe maybe i'm just a bad internet person uh quick update on my father he is now out of the like mini hospital thing and he is in a full inpatient full-time rehab facility so he will start to get his uh strength back and all that stuff and hopefully in like two weeks or something he can come home so uh, completely independent breathing, no more trach, all that stuff. I can't remember what the last update I gave was, but he is uh, well on the road uh, to recovery. And so an- a That's continual awesome. uh, thanks to so people that send their thoughts and prayers and all that stuff. I just don't want to leave you. I just don't want to like bring it up and then not bring it up. So that is the update. Um, so all good news there. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to wish everybody a great week for Cody Staven- Staven- Hagen. I am Karen Steckley. Everybody enjoy the Justin Verlander homecoming.